one that is with in agreement with God's word, guess what you're to do? Just zip it. Just zip it. Why do we think we always have to say something? You know, Job's friends, when he went to visit Job, the best thing they could have done is just said, hi, Job, sat down. Just be with him. Just be a companion. You know, some I like men that I can get in a car and I can drive 50 miles and neither one of us have to say a word. Now, women can't stand that, can you? You see, you don't think that's companionship. But there is something about, see, I don't want to be alone, but I don't always want to talk. But I don't want to be alone. But half the time, the reason why it's good not to always talk is because you may be talking and in trying to have, you know, a good chat, You're bringing an evil report because you're letting your mouth run away with you and you're starting to say things that are contrary to God's word. Look, those 10 spies that came back, they might have been afraid, but what they should have done is zip their lip and when Caleb said what he said, they should have just said, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm with him. I'm with him. I say what he says. Like Rick shared a few weeks ago, man, if your oil's dry, find somebody that's got some. I'm with him. An evil report is something that slanders God. In other words, you make God, you portray him into being something that he's not. The devil's been trying to slander God the whole time. Why do you think he's trying to take the land from Israel? Because he's trying to make it look like he can't keep his word. I'm telling you, God keeps his word. And every inch that he promised Abraham, that's going to come to that nation. Whether the heathens of this world like it or not. Whether there's somebody in the White House making a peace treaty or not. God shall give them the land. And it's not just the Golan Heights or the West Bank. If you read the Bible, that thing goes clear to the Euphrates River. And they're going to get every ounce of it. Praise God. Now, so, to confirm what, we know what an evil report is, let's look at what a good report is. Hebrews chapter 11 You say, man, I thought we were studying Philippians tonight. We are. We're on. What we got left in Philippians is very short. He's just basically going to talk about money again. Hebrews 11, and um, looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. Say amen when you're there. Amen. All right, here we go. Hebrews eleven thirty-nine. 39. It says, now these all, all the people that is listed in chapter 11, 
And these all, having obtained a what? Through faith, receive the promise. So what is a good report? A good report is a report that is given by faith. Amen? So when Pastor Darlene gets up here like she did last week on her birthday and declares Psalm 91 over the church, and she says that God's not going to give somebody COVID in the glory of God, that's a good report because that's a report that is delivered by faith. It's a report that is on the word of God. Praise God. Amen? And it's a good report. It's not an evil report. And it's a report that every person in the church ought to be glad and happy and shout for joy when something like that is given. And not be going, oh, I don't know, man. That's not what the CDC said. Oh, you know, have you seen the reports on NBC? That's just like the people from going into, coming back from the promised land saying, oh, I don't know. Do you see those giants over there? They're much bigger than us. They're a lot stronger than us. Oh. No, God said they would take him out. David Livingston, when he went to Africa, the glory of God so strong, according to the word of God, they could put leprosy on his hand and watch it through a microscope just vanish and die. There's not a sickness or disease that is more powerful than God and his word. Amen? Amen. Not a single sickness or disease, praise God. Not a single one. Now, you may not always feel like you're the voice of a good report, but praise God, if you can't give a good report, zip it. Zip it. Because Paul said... If you want the presence of God, we must dwell on things that are of a good report, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are just, amen? The presence of God, the Holy Ghost, doesn't dwell in a place where there's an evil report. And I want the Holy Ghost, amen? Hallelujah. Well, praise God, I got myself excited tonight. So that's what a good report is. A good report is a report that's full of faith. An evil report is a report that is full of doubt and tries to say that God's word is not true. Now, and that's what I've had to do the last year. I've had to zip it and I've had to click it. And that click is turning off the news. Zip it and click it. What's the word for 21? Zip it and click it. And that means all the voices, man. There's too many voices out there right now. Should only be one voice in the church, and that's the voice of God's word. And if it's contrary, people want to argue about what prophet was right, what prophet wasn't right. Who cares? I got, you know what? Peter said, we've got a more sure word. You know what the sure word is? Why everybody's arguing about who was right, who was wrong, who missed it, who got it, who didn't. Paul said, we got a more sure word. We heard the voice of God speak to us on the Mount of Transfiguration. We heard the living voice of God. But you know what? We got a more sure word. You know what it is? The Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures, man. This is the sure word. This is the word we all got to be having as an anchor to our soul, amen. Amen. I can't anchor to my soul to this guy or that guy. I got to anchor my soul to the word of God. 
I love those things as supplements, and they're cool. They get you kind of excited. But man, no word of God never fails us. So he said here, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord, verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at the last, your care has flourished. Again, wherein you were careful, but you did not or lacked the opportunity. So Paul is saying, look, the, the, the offerings and the provision that you've sent to us, it has come again. Now this church in Philippians, or Philippi, remember this was the church that Paul was beat nearly with an inch of his life, and thrown into prison, amen? And this is the place where, remember, him and Silas had a praise and worship service, and and an angel of the Lord kicked the gates wide open, brought an earthquake down. No, kicked the gates, that was with Peter. This was an earthquake in Philippi, and it crumbled the jail, busted it open, and everybody came out of their cells, and the jailer about committed Harry Carey, because he thought they were all gone, and Paul's like, no, wait, we're here, brother, we're here. And the jailer got saved, him and his whole household. There's a powerful church that was started in Philippi. And these guys never forgot the roots of of who brought them the gospel. They never forgot. They never forgot. And you know what, I think that's a real testimony. Because... I find that sometimes in the day that we're living in, people so easily forget how they actually got where they're at. You know? I mean, I can name, I can, I can still name the people and the faces that were responsible for where I'm at today. And we can't, we can't forget them. We may have various ideas and changes of opinions and different prophets that we listen to, and some that we don't, but we can't forget who was responsible for giving us the gospel, amen? amen. And they, they never forgot. Now, it, according to verse 10, there must have been a lapse. We don't really know why. The Bible doesn't tell us. But there was a lapse in their, um, in their blessing Paul and providing for his needs, but something happened. And Paul's saying, I know you still wanted to, or I know you were careful, but you lacked an opportunity. In verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. All right? Now you see there in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. What's after the want there in grammar? What's that called? That's called a colon, all right? Now, have you ever read the letters of Paul? You know Paul likes to go on a rabbit trail, doesn't he? He likes to go on a little bit of a tangent. He has three or four or five, six, seven, eight closing points, usually, like most preachers do. But Paul here says, not that I speak in respect of want. Now, go to verse 17. 
Because this is the connecting verse. Because I, not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. All right? So that's where you make those connecting points there. Not that I speak in respect of want, because I don't desire a gift. But what I'm speaking of, I desire that fruit may abound to your account. Not to my account. Paul's not worried about his bank account. And he'll tell us in the following verses. Paul said, it's not my bank account I'm worried about. It's your bank account. It's all about your bank account. Now, why is Paul not worried about his bank account? Because in verse 12, he says, I know both how to abase and I know how to abound. Paul's not worried about what the bank statement says because he knows how to abase and of abound. He knows he, he gets on with the things of God when there's five bucks in the checking account and he gets on with God when there's 5,000 in the checking account. Amen? Amen? He's learned to keep on going with little and with much. All right? Everywhere and in all things, I am in, instructed. So Paul's saying, hey, this is what Jesus has instructed me. This is God's instruction to me. Everywhere in all things. So wherever you're at, whether you're in America, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Australia, doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in Cincinnati, Hebron, Richmond, doesn't matter. In all things, we are instructed to be both full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. So Jesus has taught Paul that no matter what is happening, whether he has food on the table or whether he doesn't, whether his car's paid off, whether it's not, whether his car's broken down sitting in the driveway or whether it's running good. How many have great success with cars? Raise your hand. None of us do. Why? Cars are always breaking down. Hate cars. Sometimes I feel like moving to Adams County and just wearing a black hat and driving a horse and buggy. Just feel like life would be so much easier. Can't stand cars. Don't let Matt hear me. Hope you're not listening, Matt. But you know me. I, Matt always teases me about cars because I'm lousy with them. But the thing is, whether my car's running or not, the key is in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We can do all things. Everywhere, we can do all things. Because who does the strengthening? Christ does. Christ does the strengthening. It's not my bank account or my, my material goods, you know, that provide my strength. Me and, me and Rick, we love gear. We love music gear. His wife's always on my case. She thinks it's my fault he's got all a bunch of music gear. It's not. It's not my fault, Laura. But I love gear. What's that? 
<laughs> but I love gear, love music stuff, love, love gadgets. But it's not my strength. Whether I have them, whether I don't, the strength comes from Christ. The strength comes from in here. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Christ in me. That's where the strength comes from. And it's interesting, we use this verse all the time for everything, you know, when I'm taking it, you know, whatever you want to accomplish, whatever you're, you know, taking a test or wanting to score, touchdown, or yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to succeed. We always, we always put it in the context of I'm going to be successful because Christ I can do all things. But that's actually what, that's not really the context that Paul is bringing that verse here. Paul says, whether your business succeeds or, or it fails, you can do all things because Christ strengthens you. Whether the Republicans are in office or whether the Democrats are in office, I can do all things because Christ strengthens me. It doesn't matter who's in charge. I can do all things. Like I said last week, we have watched the church survive so many things through its history. Nothing has taken the church out. Nothing has taken the church out. And nothing will. You know the only thing that's going to take the church out? Jesus, come up here. The rapture is the only thing that's going to take the church out. That's it. So, nevertheless, in other words, notwithstanding or nevertheless, you have well done. In other words, Paul's saying, I didn't need your money. Because I've learned these things and I'm more concerned about your situation because since you've done this, fruit will, abide, will, will uh, be given to your account, pressed down, shaken together, Jesus taught us. But nevertheless, you've done well and you did communicate with my affliction. I mean, man, if you read that, it kind of doesn't sound like Paul's very thankful, does it? I mean, he's kind of like, he's not really flattering them that much. That's what I get out of this. He's not really giving them a bunch of praise and flattery for them taking care of them. You don't really see that a lot. That's not been my experience. Maybe because Paul understands what Deuteronomy was talking about. You know, when he said, don't, uh, you know, if you, if you receive a, a gift from somebody, it can blind your eyes. It can blind you from speaking the truth. Because, you know, if Paul has to come and bring a correcting word to the church at Philippi, if they get off doctrine, he can't be thinking, well, you know, I can't really tell so-and-so that they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be living together because, man, they just sowed $1,000 into my account last week. 
better not really be able to, I can't really tell them, you know, what the Bible tells us about fornication. Think about it. That's what I'm seeing out of this because I'm not really seeing him give them a bunch of praise and flattery for them taking care of this. I mean, these guys gave, put money in Paul's account. But Paul said, I didn't need your money. But I'm glad you did give it to me because because you did, you're going to be blessed for it. But I didn't really need it because I've learned whether I have or I have not, I can do all things through Christ. You see what I'm saying there? Praise God. So, but you, verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So there wasn't a single church that Paul planted that actually gave to his ministry except for this church. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. So when he was in Thessalonians, teaching the Thessalonians, he would be in one church and there would be guys showing up from another church with things to give them. It was amazing. What a church. What a giving church. What a beautiful church. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may abound to your account. But look at 18. But I have all and I abound. So in other words, he's, he's, he's summing it up by saying, you guys have given, and because you have given, I have everything I need and I'm abounding right now. Amen? So he's kind of turning around. He is showing a little bit of thankfulness there. Um, and he says, I am full having received of Ephroditus and the things which were sent from you. In verse 18, they're an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to who? To God. So who was the offering acceptable and well-pleasing to? Paul or God, you see? You see where he's putting the priority there? And that's how, you know, it's funny because as I started talking about this, you know, when you start talking about money in church, it does go a little quiet. Money and attendance it always seems to go a little quiet for some reason. But it's in the Bible and we got to talk about it. But I like the way Paul here put it into perspective. When you give, you're not giving to man. You're giving to God. It's acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Sometimes when I've given, I've felt I wanted somebody to say, pat on the back. Thank good. Oh, that was a good job, man. Thank you for that, brother. But really, the attaboy should come from heaven. Verse 19. And because, and this is why you want to give to God. This is why you want it to be acceptable and, and well-pleasing to him. Because verse 19, the God who owns all the cattle, who owns everything in the earth, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So praise God I'm giving to him. Because if I give to God who owns everything, 
then he is able to richly supply our needs, amen? But if I'm just giving to man, hoping that I might get a little something back, man's supply is short, amen? Man doesn't know how to make ravens feed you. Man doesn't know how to make bread come from heaven. Man doesn't know how to make water come out of a rock. But God does. And no matter what the economy does, God is going to know how to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Because it's according to his economy and not according to Wall Street's, praise God. Verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. You guys love God tonight? Is he going to take care of his church? He's going to take care of us, man. Now, it may, not, it may not look like we thought it was going to look like, but I know one thing. The Bible says I've never seen the seed beg for bread. Okay? Now, we may not have buffalo wild wings. It may be beans and rice. But I tell you what, here's the end result. I will be full. And I will not be without. Amen? Amen. And you will too. So because of that, verse 21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me, they greet you also. All the saints salute you. Chiefly, even they that are of Caesar's household. God told Paul he was going to speak to kings. He spoke to the kings in Israel. Now he's speaking to the kings in Rome. The people that are even in Caesar's household got the gospel preached to them. And how did they get the gospel preached to them? Because the people at the Philippian church were sensitive to God and to the one that brought them the gospel and they provided for his needs so that he could even bring the gospel to Caesar's house. So verse 23 then says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor.